once along this world. Podcasts fill the streets. Let's up to two men bring order to the chaos. The Hardcasters. Welcome to Hardcasters. I've decided I'm, I'm, I've got very self-conscious about my voice because... I've listened to a few back and we've got a really kind of, um, you know, intense opening with Gunfire. And then I go, hello, it's Hardcast. And it's not really. Uh, so I need to work on a more kind of gruff, macho voice rather than this whiny, thin shit that I've got. I'm Dominic De Plum, and you won't know any different because we've been uh, sticking podcasts up. We've taken a little hiatus over the last time because Dick Fassage has had some corrective surgery to his genitals because um, they were they were bad. They're in a real state. It was basically like a bag of, like someone sat on Jaffa cakes. Yeah, it was like a kicked lung down there. <laughs> um, but you're back, and uh, they're mostly fixed. Yeah, there's one that looks a bit odd. One, one still looks a bit like uh, Bob Hoskins. I mean, they um, weren't they weren't great to start with, were they? So it's never going to be. It's a combination of constant driving away at high speed and letting the hot coffee spill on my genitals. Yeah. That was kind of purposeful. To yeah, because I quite like that sensation. And the second one is jumping at things, but judging the distance wrong. So mm. every time just falling down on yeah. my uh, on Gladys Knight and the Pips, as I yeah. like to call them. The last time I saw them, the, what reminded me, you know, if like you toss a pancake and it misses the pan and goes down the back of the oven, it's like if you'd scooped it out like that, that's what they kind of look yeah. like. But you know, and last time you saw them, you know, again, we're in lockdown 10 now, and basically we do doorstop visit, and I just poke them out the letterbox yeah well you could fit them down like the crack of the door because they're just such like a, an amorphous quality to them like a jellyfish with mumps but anyway we're, still we're back recording, aren't we? we're still recording. <laughs> oh sorry I, I you know i didn't mean to quote your doctor's notes verbatim uh, over the podcast uh, but we're back and we're ready to get stuck in with what a fucking brilliant film double impact is I'd I mean, underestimated it. I underestimated how much I would enjoy it. I saw it as, as a younger man, and I I don't think I've revisited it that much. And I kind of had in my head it was kind of mostly silly and, and ludicrous and what have you. And it's not saying it's serious, but I was surprised at how genuinely solid an actioner it was. What were your thoughts? Well, I saw it as I remember one of the first action films <coughs> I saw. Um. I remember we used to, I used to, the local video shop that I used to frequent. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> they used to have like a little magazine that you got that used to sit on the counter and it basically tell you about the coming releases, you know. Yeah. Um, so I remember getting that and the double impact was a feature on the cover. And I remember just looking at it going like Van Damme twice. How have they done this? How yeah. have they done it? And I remember watching it and it blew my mind as a, as a kid. It blew my mind for, for many reasons. So it was two Van Dams, and actually, it's quite a solid action. It's quite gruesome. As mm. and I think, as a, a ten or eleven year old seeing it, it was I think it was ninety one. So I think it was ten or 90, or eleven mm. when I first saw it. But also, I remember the 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 henchwoman in it, the kind of badass mm. woman, really confused me as a ten year old. I'm like, yeah. she's sexy, 
but she looks a bit like a man. <laughs> so I remember yeah. that 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 kind of, I coming away thinking I really enjoyed that film, but being a bit confused. Yeah. Um, and I've, to be fair, I watched that a few weeks ago. I still felt exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think yeah, I think it's a film that. And again, when you say, oh, it's the one where Van Damme plays twins, you're like, fuck off. He plays <laughs> twins. But I mean, it's it's yeah, it's not as it's not as ridiculous. It's the, it's the right measure of ridiculous. I didn't find myself laughing at it at all. No. Kind of. It knows it's kind of silly and it has fun with that. So I think it, I was thinking about this. There is a quite a complicated set, but once they get the sap out of the way in the first scene, it's actually just a series of things that happen. So rather than sort of go through it blow by blow, I thought if we gave an overall prop, plot kind of breakdown mm. and then just talk about the key scenes that stuck out to us. So um, essentially, I think it opens in the 60s, although it's never really uh, explicit what era it is. Yeah, I think it's colonial Hong Kong, isn't it? When yeah. the British, the British owned Hong Kong or whatever they had over it. And it kind of starts off at that, um, uh, you know, very much a kind of, military slash ceremonial procession doesn't it but yeah i think it's six he's looking at judging by the cars it's late 60s early 70s i think yeah and there's an entrepreneur and his wife and their two twin sons who are only babies um are essentially um partnered up with a local british businessman because hong kong is under british rule at the time to open a, a tunnel or some shit but the money used to open that uh, provided by the business partner is actually uh, has actually come from a local gangster yep. and the business partner and the gangster in league and after all said and done and the thing's been opened they betray the entrepreneur and have him assassinated and during this moment um the entrepreneur's bodyguard played by the incredible jeffrey lewis he's great um, in this as well is, isn't he he's so amazing, good manages to sneak into the shootout um and gets his hands on one of the twins it's a great shootout as well actually it's a really yeah, I mean, good it's... shootout really tense nice i liked it really yeah, good opening. and really bloody as well and i want to talk yeah. about the, the the levels of violence in a bit as well um whereas a maid gets hold of the other one the twins get separated that's the setup in amongst all this we know we also see that um one of the uh the henchmen is bolo young from um uh, enter the dragon fame and uh Bloodsport. And so we fast forward to the 90s, the very 90s, um, with the music and Venice Beach and all that kind of stuff to find that the Jeffrey Lewis and one of the twins, Chad, are doing very well for themselves in a kind of aerobic stroke martial arts centre in Venice Beach. Very pink. Very neon. I mean, very, the, very late eighties, early nineties. We're going to have to do a deep dive on that entire scene. <laughs> oh my god! In these, it's um, and Chad is a very kind of colourful, flamboyant, slightly camp, but at the same time, massively overly heterosexual, twatish, and basically, <laughs> Jeffrey Lewis has been f hunting down the information to try and track down the other twin brother, yep. Luke, and they're going to fly over to Hong Kong, meet up with the estranged twin. And essentially defeat, after all these years, the businessman and the gangster and reclaim their birthright. And that is control over the organisation. And that. And that's, well, that seems very convoluted. That's covered in pretty much the first 10, 15 minutes. And then it's just a series of action sequences. Yeah. And I think um, it gets away with that plot as well, because actually yeah. it's, there's a full purpose. There's kind of clear revenge there. There's the, the bad guys, are, 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 you know, the businessmen are just shit. 
the you know Bolo Young is a hard you know all everything is set up actually to make it a watchable that you want to see the conclusion of this this kind of play out as well. Yeah, and so I think just before we dig into the scenes, uh, um, casting wise, Van Dam, you know what he he does, he's good in this, yeah. and he actually he he legitimately, and again I'm not going into, I'm not suggesting there's any kind of awards worthy uh, performance here, but he actually successfully creates two distinct characters. You know who you're dealing with when they're on screen. It's not just through um, like a haircut, although that's part of it, but through body language. I mean, yeah. Luke is very, very different yeah. to Chad. And actually, it feels very much like, if you think of Van Damme and his films, those two are the bookends of who of his persona. Yeah. Like super tough, uh, muscular ass kicker, or actually slightly camp, mm. slightly cheesy guy. Um, and it's like someone's taken the, those two elements out of Van yeah. Damme. Kind of like, you know, when Superman fights himself in the junkyard in Superman yeah, 3. It's kind of so. like that. Yeah, it is. There's Clark Kent and there's evil Superman. There's no middle <clears throat> yeah. ground. But he's good. And and we'll talk more about this when we get to the action scenes. It's some of the best Van Damme action, I think. And I think that's partly to do with the camera, the way the camera and editing photographs his martial arts. As with Jeffrey Lewis, father of Juliette Lewis, if you don't know the name, you'll know the face. Um, I think I first saw him in um, Any Which Way But Loosed. And it's sequel any way you any which way you can. Yeah. Um, Do you know he plays... looks again for you know maybe for the British audience? Oh. Do you remember the dad in the Bisto advert? Yeah, it's between that and he looks a bit like Jeffrey Palmer. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, and he's really great, and and it's just something yeah, really absolutely. charming and likable and warm about him. He's just nice to see him on screen. I love the bit, and again we could talk about this in a bit. They're in a kind of Hong Kong discotheque. And he's, he's, he's schmoozing away with a young lady and she turns around and goes, oh, you look like Sean Connery. And he goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. oh it's quite, it just made me chuckle. It's quite a nice, yeah. little, nice little scene. Then there's the, the love interest, who's, I think, a British access, a, actress. The only mm. other thing I've seen her in is Cyborg Cop, which we should probably cover at some point because the hero always has a bum bag on or fanny pack for <laughs> US uh, listeners. Um that's Which, your rap just, name, isn't it? Isn't that your rap name? <laughs> fanny pack, yeah. <laughs> um, but the British version of the word fanny, not Lee. Um, it was that between that or vagina satchel, and I went with fanny pack. I thought it had more international film. But what I liked about her is she does get to do a quite a bit of, I won't say stunt work, but when they're being chased through the boat, she seems to be doing all that running and jumping around herself, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the bad guys are good. I'm going to look up his name because the, the Chinese bad guy is the captain i believe in hard-boiled okay. uh, philip chan nice. he, and he's good value for money um as is the kind of snarling scene chewing villain so there's plenty of of acceptable to pretty good performances so that opening shootout i mean it's it's pretty bloody i mean it's violent yeah. Yeah. and it's it's kind of shocking and but it's really crunchy and satisfying. But here's the thing: if you, I noticed that when the the, the dad of the twins hits the ground, mm. he's got a lot more bullet holes in him than than he than he takes bullets. And it's I was watching, thinking, oh my god, there must be a version of this where he gets shot like a lot more. Yeah. And seeing how squirty those those squibs were, whether it, I don't know whether I'm suggesting it was kind of shot and then cut. It might never made it into the edit, but they filmed more. It was it was worse. 
Yeah. You know, it might have been kind of a Hoven levels. As I um, say, like kind of Robocop when he, you know, they edited that and it was just when you see the final, you know, the full version, he gets shot for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. His arms are coming off and shit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even even with that, it's still pretty, um, some chunky squibs. And so then we cut to Venice Beach and then we go into some really 90s music. I mean, really 90s music. Yeah. Right. I'll the, stop you there. I'll stop you on. there. Do in this scene, so it's it, it, we've set up that it's in a, like a dojo slash fitness suite. Hmm. Describe it in six words how we meet Van Damme. Oversaturated. Yes. Uh, overtly sexual. Yeah. Borderline molestation. Yeah. Um, weird. Yeah. It's not I a think... sentence, but six words. Yeah. It's, it's mental, isn't it? Yeah. So... As far as I can tell, this is this is how I I picture it uh, in in my head when I remember it back. Is it's almost like one of the villains' layers in the '66 Batman, that yes. kind of color. Yeah. And there is a ring of women in leotards, yeah. like in a semicircle, mm-hmm. and then laying on the floor is another woman. All these women are very attractive. Now the woman laying on the floor is Julie Strain, who um, unfortunately passed away recently. She was a kind of glamour model but mm-hmm. she also did a lot of fantasy kind of posing she's in quite a lot of the andy sadaris films the 90s ones which we're going to be covering oh uh, yes in not too long time um but she's not credited as she gets lying she's laying on the floor and van damme he's on the floor and he's literally i think supposedly she's twisted an ankle or something and he's running her hands down her body and over he her isn't thighs touching the ankle i think no, no, has, i mean he's nowhere near her ankle is he and she's groaning sexually, and all the women are just staring and kind of going, like, <laughs> basically, they're all just getting off. And <laughs> I'm like, he's... Rick, Rick Mail has just gone in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not even coded as particularly masculine. He's so camping. He's wearing a lot of pink, a lot, well, I say pink, it's a lot of kind of. You know, it's not even like you're that kind of, you know, slightly, it's very kind of pink, blushy, baby pink. Yeah. Very tight. In my head, he's doing the splits. I don't think he is, but, you know, there's a lot I of think he does. His... I think he does show off and everyone's, yeah, I think he says you've got to be supple and he does the splits and there's yeah. like a shot of his arse squeezed And there's into. a lot of focus. It, it, what it reminded me of, that scene in the in the Simpsons where um, Ned Flanders wears the tight ski, ski wear and Homer yeah. has that image of Flanders' yeah. stupid sexy Flanders that yeah. scene because it just literally look, looks like his arse just he, he you know kind of bends over and his arse is just kind of focused on for about you know 10 yeah. seconds but what I would say is I mean it because those though that it's kind of a melting pot of sexuality I don't think that's confused I think there's something for everyone there yeah like if you like women there's hot women moaning sexually. If you like men or a man, you know, Van Damme, as we've discussed <laughs> at length. <laughs> that lots of length. Um, you know, is in good shape. So it's kind of, it's like a, a buffet, you yeah. know. I think anyone can see that and come away thinking that was that was aimed at my sexuality. Um, but the thing platter, that... A smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that's lasting with me is that Jeffrey Lewis then comes in and goes, oh, you need to take over the cryo class, got some business, and goes into his office. Because this is not in a in a dance studio. It's mm. taking place outside Jeffrey yeah. Lewis's office. It's like yeah. a fucking waiting room or corridor. I'm like, well, yeah. what were they doing in there? 
why has he got so many women in I don't even think he works there. I think he just turns up every day and like, for fuck's sake, here he is again. Then he goes down to karate uh, lesson. There's a prick there with long hair who's like, um, and then uh, I'll show you my kick. And then Van Damme kicks He's him basically like um, Francis Rossi. <laughs> he is. He's like, he's yeah. basically Fran- a buffed up Francis Rossi. I mean, this what, what this establishes is that, that Chad, as you can imagine, is a kind of ladies' man, but he's not masculine he's a kind of a pretty boy he he is worries about clothes and what have you and all credit to him you know van damme pokes fun at himself i think it's the idea he he thinks he's a tough guy by kind of having him set up in his way but actually it's very clear that he's seen as an object of fun and i think it's the idea that we need to see these characters completely shielded he was the lucky one he got taken away to an affluent life he got looked after and his idea of toughness is very much kind of a fake paper pay-per-view of the world because yeah. it contrasts nicely when we go to Hong Kong. So I think yeah. that setup is really, really, it's done, but I think it's done knowingly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, completely it knows, tongue-in-cheek. Totally. It's kind of in commando level yeah, and absolutely. it knows what it's doing. Now, Luke, on the other hand, he wears a black vest, slick back hair. He's always yep. got a cigar. He's always grumpy. Um, and he owns like a, 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 a weird club and he's always in trouble with various different gangs and people know him, yeah. which leads to some, uh, um, you know, mistaken identity hijinks later on. But what I also found interesting is obviously these are two kids of, I think, American parents brought up yeah. in Hong Kong, separated, and they've got to cover why the two of them have French accents. And so... Jeffrey Lewis's character has essentially brought up Chad in f- Paris for a That's while. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the the reason for Luke is that Luke, the maid, dumped him in a French nunnery That's or orphanage. Right. Yeah, yeah. In Hong Kong. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you know they're on every doorstep. If you go to Hong Kong. French orphanages run well, by that's nuns. Where you, that's where you were brought up, wasn't it? A French orphanage in Hong Kong. I, 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 that's where I was brought up and then briefly ran for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, but you turned it something else, though, didn't you? you it was a training camp. It was a training <laughs> camp for vigilantes, yeah. yeah. Um, and we got closed down because of the, uh, of the incident. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, these two do not blend well. There is real friction. And like I say, you know, um, there's a couple of of blue screenshots that are a little more obvious but generally they're really clever with the split screen yeah and i think what one of the best throughout the film one of the things they do is they don't rely on it too much like they're quite happy to have body doubles Mm. and have them shot reverse shot but they mix it up so much yeah that you start to get it's not like and now we do an effect shot there are shots that they do that could be an effect shot where they use body doubles just to kind of keep you guessing and before long you know you really forget it's it's damn damn twice you know you actually convince these are two people so with that in mind and we'll talk about the climax in the end let's go action what are the key action sequences in this that you like uh i think i like the i like the bit on the boat so they go to a boat and there's kind of i think when they first team up there's uh they've kind of meet some counterfeiters and there's Mm. kind of you know counterfeit cars and, and stuff in the boot and they've kind of uh, they've got to get away quickly, um, and they get a double cross, and the police turn up. It's a nice action scene because it kind of, again, plays on that, um, you know, of, of that thing of a sheltered lad 
and the other one being very much kind of streetwise. So the, the streetwise one's trying to save all the merchandise and kind mm. of take as many bad guys. The other one's trying to save his skin. But it's quite nice because it's, again, I think there's a bit of money spent on this. And it's kind of, it looks, you know, there's cars rolling off the boats and there's kind of, you know, action and the guy, people firing across boats and kind of Van Damme showing his stuff. I like yeah. that one. But I also really like the bit where Bolo Young beats the shit out of Chad. Yes, because it's re- that's really like it's almost like strip away all this kind of neon shit. This is like hard, and he actually yeah. gets gets completely owned. Yeah, and you know what's weird? Like, I, I I was very very informed, as I think I've said, by kind of John Woo movies, mm. and so I got really obsessive over use of slow motion and editing and cross cutting and stuff like that. Just the way this film's edited is really smart. The way that slow motion is used. Just like in that on that scene, the boat where he uh, Luke, I think, disarms someone by hitting the gun out of his hand or knife. But rather than do that really quick, they do that in slow motion, but just for a fraction. Um, but the scene, I remember, I made a little action fight scene movie uh, uh, when I was doing my A levels as a teenager, and there's a shot in that that is borrowed uh, from this scene. It's the scene where Chad does a reverse roundhouse or a spinning back kick, and Bolo ducks. And then just palms him in the testicles. Yeah, but it's the the re- repetition of the spin, and the and the noise and the use of when it goes in the slow motion, out slow motion to the point where before I saw it, you know, and I seen this film probably must be about eight to ten years ago. I could I can remember the sound effects, mm. like and the beats of the sound effects in my head, and this is why I sort of said about how the camera and how the editing really works for Van Damme here. Cause if you actually watch a lot of Van Damme films, he doesn't actually throw that many moves. If you compare it to kind of modern action films, you know, in a fight scene, you might throw like three punches and one kick. They just yeah. repeat them. But here the editing really complements. The camera's always moving with him. There's a shot, a couple of shots. There's a shot of him when they have the bar brawl, uh, when they bring in the crates that explode. Yes, that's right where he kind of does a psychic with someone, the camera just pulls back as he does it in slow motion. And there's a bit, there's an action scene that I really like where um, there's, there, you know, in that uh, derelict hotel on the beach on that That's island. Right, yeah, yeah. And the people attack and kidnap Jeffrey Lewis and uh, their lady friend. And I forgot there was an action sequence there. And he gets I completely guy, forgot about that as well. Yeah, Absolutely. And he, he gets a guy on the, on the beach. He steals a knife and he chops him in the neck. And just sort of stands like that as the guy falls to the ground in slow motion. The camera's moving. You think this is just someone's really thought about how to shoot this action, how to edit it. And that's why I came away more than anything thinking this is not just a point and shoot and blow things up. There's been real care in the construction of the action sequences. And I don't know whether it is because I'm trying to think of like the sequence of events, but there's a lot of John Woo influence in here. Now, hard boiled. Say, I was going to say that it's very kind of when I watched it, it's very clear that. They've tried to very much meet East West cinema. They've tried to breathe in that Hong Kong yeah. grit to it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely. And I don't, now, Hard Boiled is, uh, I think, it's ninety two. So that's the year after. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, I could, you know, that's the scene on the where they attack the warehouse, and Van Damme's got two guns. I mean, that could. It's not mm. as well done, but that could have been ripped out of a of a of a John Woo movie. You know, especially Hard Boiled. And so they try some inventive gunplay and what have you. And again, it's not as good, not as confident, but there's lots of that stuff in play, which is which elevates the action sequences for me. I think we we, the, we have to talk about the sex scene, don't we? 
Yeah. <laughs> because it's um see, part of me couldn't help but kind of not I'm gonna say I won't say I applauded, <laughs> but like they managed to have their cake and eat it because so it's very clear that the girlfriend is in danger. Yeah, she's been fondled by the um, super butch female henchman, henchwoman, yep. and uh, she still, puts a call confused. in. Still confused. Yeah, and Luke and Jeffrey Lewis have gone into the hills to I don't know what they're looking for to get some bundles of sticks or some shit. Yeah, and so it's just Chad. And Chad takes the phone call and he tries his best to find um, Luke and can't. So he gets in the boat and he goes over to the mainland to rescue her. That's right. Now, uh, Luke comes back and thinks, well, where's Chad gone? And puts two and two together and comes up with four and thinks that he's gone off to meet and seduce uh, his girlfriend. So on the way back, you know, uh, Chad and the girlfriend get along. And she goes off and there's a brief bit of news here. She changes out of wet clothes because they have to take a dive in, in the river, which is gratuitous. Mm. She doesn't need to do that. But then the sex scene, where they kind of get away with it, is that it's Luke's imagination. He's right. starting to his imagination started to spiral about what, and so you kind of think, well, yeah, actually, then it does that mean it's not gratuitous because it's actually been justified. This is, and actually, the the worse it is, the more it justifies his character's yeah. actions, and it's pretty graphic. I mean, it's not like you don't see it go in or anything, but I mean, it's it's um, it's a sustained sequence. Against a washing line, isn't it? Yeah, but they're, I mean, they, 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 they're all over the place. There's legs yeah. in the air and what have you. Um, and it's all shot in kind of Argento reds and blues. And it's, again, lots of slow motion, very dreamlike. Um, again, I don't think it's particularly sexy, <laughs> but no. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's relatively strong stuff for a 1991 Van Damme action movie. Mm. Um, but you know what? And this is the this is the takeaway. When he gets back and Luke goes off at him, I was genuinely pissed off. I genuinely felt sorry for Chad. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's where I when I started to think, look, you just got to explain to him what you've done. Like you've got every right to be pissed off because you've done something. And then I started thinking, why do I care about this so much? <laughs> um, but it does lead into, and you know, this if you have a film where there's two Van Dams, you want them to fight. Absolutely. Now, this is 1991. The technology is not there to do the kind of stuff we see nowadays. Yes, right. Um, like in the Will Smith uh, clone kit. What was that called? The one where he tries to kill himself? Where Fresh Prince um, tries to kill? Hitch. Old... Yeah, Hitch. Um, we can't do, you can't make Hitch in 1991. No. And yet they don't fuck around. They have the two Van Dams fight each other. Um it's not the best fight scene in the film, but I mean, it's, Decent you know, it's, it holds it's, up well, doesn't it? And it's what you want. You know, you want to see the two of them go at it. Um, but of course, for those people that know their save the cat, this is just uh, the low point in the movie before we come back into <coughs> the finale, right. which involves the two twins teaming up to rescue Jeffrey Lewis and the girlfriend from the bottom of a ship. Um, a, a container ship, and I mean the finale delivers, doesn't it? Does it not? Yeah, it's everything in there. This kind of 
you know, a bad guy getting his arm trapped in machinery, Bolo Young picking up huge kind of barrels, and and that's that's deep. I love that bit when he jumps, you know, he's throwing barrels around because it looks like he's he's just a badass who's just like a monster, and it's it's brilliant. Absolutely and Van Damme kicks one out of the sky, doesn't he? It's pretty yeah. good. Like Street um, Fighter. It looks like that scene in Street Fighter, you've got to kick barrels. Of, yeah. You know. Now, I will say that, I mean, it's a good fight and it's it's shot well. I kind of wanted it to go on a little bit longer. When Balloon gets electrocuted, I was kind of hoping it, he would... Um, or full Bennett. Full Bennett and just lean yeah. back stronger. But, you know, we've got two Van Dams. So while that one's fighting Bolo Young, the other one's having a kind of fight stroke ballet in a kind of spotlight with a guy who's got razor spurs that's correct yes um so you know that every every little sub character has got a little quirk to them that they're doing which again is a nice different change of pace they're actually trying to do something with the action um and then that leaves them just to take down the two the two shits our uh our, uh our gangster and our our um, other other business British guy. prick. Yeah, and they get their come up. As like I say, one gets his arm trapped in a giant cog and falls off a tower. The other one gets a massive container dropped on him. Uh, and again, it does that thing in, in older in when I say older films, um, you know, less current films where it just as soon as people are dead, ends. There's no yeah. post credits. There's no uh, epilogue. It's just like no. they're all dead. Ha! Laugh. Freeze frame. Credits. Yeah. What because I like about all... the villains as well, like the two shits, the the kind of Hong Kong gangster is, is again a very John John Woo character. He's got mm. like a man from Del Monte suit, uh, dark glasses, kind of constantly getting in and out of you know mirrored cars, <clears throat> and actually he's kind of he's a shit. Mm. But I like the, the British villain as well because he felt like they were really playing on that you know British stiff upper lip. But he's like a Tory politician, isn't he? Mm. He's a very kind of just a horrid, slimy, greasy, upper-class prick. So actually, both their deaths are crunchy and quite satisfying. So you oh, yes. Like, oh, yes. yes. Fucking. You got it. But again, going, you know, as I sort of said earlier, the reason we did that plot breakdown at the start is because that whole concept of them reclaiming their birthright is just abandoned. Like, we mm. don't get any resolution. They, no. they drop a container on someone... They meet up and then the credits roll. We don't find out whether they got... It's literally just like, have we got them in Hong Kong? Right, fuck all the actual plot off. Let's just have a series of scenes where they either... We have two Van Dams on the screen, a graphic sex scene, or just just action sequences. And that's basically it. And you know what? It's all the better for it. I, I bought that film specifically to watch it here because I didn't own it. And it's actually difficult to get a version of it on DVD that... And it's one of those films that I suspect there's lots of cut versions yes. floating out there. So I, I, I bought it digitally. And you know what? Really, really good fucking decision. I'm about to say best decision of my life. That's not true. But it's a very, very... It's up, it's up there. Top three decisions of my life. Is Let's it on the that. shelf next to, like, you know, pictures of your wedding and things like that? Is it right next to that? I, I wear it on the end of a chain around my neck. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, yeah. No, well, well, and I'll be watching that more often. It's been too long double impact it's been too long i just wish we would have had a follow-up called triple M- impact where a third what would the third van damme have been like the, the third twin i think country hick van damme <laughs> just, just, no um, yeah hick van, no uh, um 
New Orleans Van Damme. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got- I, I would have just said um, it would have been a sister and it's just Van Damme in a wig. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, it's just Van Damme putting on a really high voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, Double Impact um, comes highly recommended. Uh, it's it's one that I, I you know, we, we go quite often have quite a lot of fun with these films. I don't know if we have this time around because I would feel bad mocking it because everything that we can come up with it that's funny, I think it already knows it's funny. And yet, um, I really respect the care and attention to the actual action scenes. It's not being lazy with its gunplay no. or its fighting. Do you remember the tagline? I don't. Oh, see, I like the tagline, but I don't think it's specifically true to the film. Go on, him. So the tagline, I remember the picture was uh, cut in half and we had one in Hong Kong with his kind of arm up and we had the other one in outside the beach in LA with his other arm up. And it was one packs, uh, I think one packs a gun and one packs a punch or the other way around. But I don't think the other one packs a gun because I don't really think he knows how to use it properly. Let me, hang on. I'll, I'm going to look up the poster. Oh no, that post is in French. Yes, well, you okay. can read it oh, then, can't you? <laughs> I've got it, I've got it. Yes, because I'm French. Okay, here we go. You ready for this? The, the tagline's quite long, actually. Twin brothers torn apart by violence on a mission of revenge. One packs a punch, one packs a piece. Together, they deliver. That's it, packs a piece. Yeah. That's a good piece. I don't know what they deliver. Um, Punches to the tits. <laughs> Yeah. Now, uh, Dick, what do we think would double impact merchandise? So much we could think of. Um, Do you know, like He Man figures were basically the same three figures, just they swapped the heads, mom. Yeah, that's right. They thought, hang on a minute, we only have to make one Van Damme bit of merchandise and just duplicate. So I like the idea of like double impact dress up sets. Yeah, but it's just the same. They've just coloured the hair differently. Yeah, yeah, like, that's right. You know, I think there'd be loads of options there to just just copy, copy things. I think like rock and sock and robots, but with two plastic Van Dams punching each other. I like that. It's the same model. I'd like to see a Saturday morning double impact cartoon. Yes, that would be good. Because again, um, you could save on the animation. Yeah. I, 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 okay, I know what mine is. Um, a Mega Drive Stroke Genesis, Sega Genesis for American nice. listeners uh, game. And it's a Street Fighter-style fighting game, only you can only pick two characters. Yeah. And they're both fed down. <laughs> so you either pick Chad or Luke, yeah. and it's the exact same character, just one's in a vest. Or, you know, sometimes like Street Fighter, if you, pick, if you both pick, like, Ken, yeah, one's, diff- one's wearing a different colour... That's right. One's, one's a blue can, one's a red. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the same. You can you can you can have Chad fight himself and one's just like an orange Chad, or you can have Luke fight himself, or you can have Luke versus Chad. Nice. But that's the only combinations of things you have. Um, and they all have exactly the same moves. What, what would about... be the bonus round on that game? Oh, I think it would be Bolo Young throwing barrels at you and you've got to kick him out of the air. I, I think there's two. I think there's like you know, like you had the you had to destroy the car and then something yeah. else. I think one of them is that. I think the other one, that's Chad's one. Luke's one is he's got to smash as many bottles as he can. Yeah. Because in the top right of the screen, there's an animation of, of Chad banging his girlfriend. <laughs> and you just got to smash as many bottles because you're angry about it. Um, when you said Sega Genesis, Mega Drive, 
I thought of a Streets of Rage style side scrolling yeah. beat 'em up, where the first level is your Chad, and you've got to get from the CD fitness studio onto like you know a street in LA. Yeah. So it starts off where you fight the Francis Rossi prick, and you yes. fight a load of goons there. And like at the end of it, there's the woman lay down, but then she turns into a like you know when she stands up, she's got like a whip or something. You have to fight yeah. her. And the second level, you know, you walk to it through a door at the end, and it fades to black, and you get a shit kind of cut screen. You've got of an airplane going Kong. to Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it's kind of lands, and it's a rainy street in Hong Kong, and he's going around fighting like villains in leather yeah, jackets. You have you have the street, you have the docks, you have the hotel. Yeah. You have the boat level. Yeah, and it like the boat level is an insane. It makes it out to be an insanely long, multi-leveled boat. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the finale on the uh, on you the container two, ship. Two, you have two finales. You know, some games it, it's yeah. a lift, and you go down a lift, and there's yeah. like bad guys jumping on. You got fire, and at yeah. the end, you go down through the, the end, and it's like the end. It, it, the last, who's the last boss? Uh, so obviously, in the games version, they've got to be slightly more. So the the um the bad guy the british shit doesn't get in a so in in the film he's in like a forklift truck isn't he drop yeah. he's but rather than that that's boring he gets in like a almost like ripley's armored suit of armor yeah, aliens yeah. like it's a like a, a construction almost like one of the constructor cons from transformers and yeah, he's yeah. lobbing yeah. giant kind of containers at him that's uh that's it yeah. and the other guy you fight and he, he gets his hand chopped off, but then he comes back and he's got a potion that he drinks and he just muscles out and his arm grows back and he's like a giant lizard or something. Yeah. Or he could be like Dr. Robotnik. He could have like a floating <laughs> craft that drops bombs on you or something. Yeah. Not in the film at all. But... <laughs> no, no. Oh man. And then you could have the, the Spurs guy as like an early boss. Yeah. Um that as the, in the, the Razor Spurs, not the football team. And then the Butch the, the Butch uh henchwoman could be yeah. like but we've we've made her like seven feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. She jo- yeah, she drives into a mon- into a giant monster. Yeah. That could be a level where you get on like um I don't know, hang gliders and you're flying, you have to shoot. Like yeah, you can only shoot her in the eyes is the only time. Yeah, yeah, damage. yeah. 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 Oh, that'd be great. That's that's yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah. The the video game. Um, okay, so uh, we have an exciting new feature, um, and with an exciting new feature comes an exciting new jingle. Oh, jingle! Like That's that. elevator pitches. So we, you know, we are very audience-minded, and when we look at our podcast and we see that most people turn off after about half an hour, um, that means clearly people want more pitches so (laughs) we are going to preempt our big pitch of the cast with uh two elevator pitches um we're going to throw a title out to each other uh and we're going to just come up with uh an elevator pitch a log line something that we we think uh respond you know that that fits that title well so dick what what do you want to do you want to flip a coin see who goes first or you have you got a, a title in the chamber ready to fire at me I'll tell you what, I'm going to fire one at you. Go on him. So I'm yeah. going to start off fairly with a fairly generic title. Let's get the ball rolling. So I'm going to say a word to the wise. Oh, okay. So um, detective, 
Ramesses Wise is uh, a street wise cop, right? That's uh, that's basically the, the joke there. Um, now, he has lost, uh, he's got a reputation for losing partners um, and he's become very insular and very violent. And there is a, uh, a case that's developed that requires not just action, but diplomacy and yep. whatever. So he gets partnered with a hostage negotiator who's as quick with their words as he nice. is with his fists. And that is uh, uh, <laughs> Jeanette Word. So, and what they find is that not only do they complement each other world, you know, yeah. she keeps the talk going where he sneaks up and knocks the fucker out. Yeah. But she, through talking, she helps him come to terms with his losses and eventually they knob each other. Tagline? Um, <laughs> We're the second floor now, so the, the executive is about to get out of the elevator. Oh, oh okay, right. Um, yeah, tagline is... Uh, Actions speak worder than loud. Sorry. Actions. <laughs> action... keep that. Keep that. <laughs> Actions speak louder than words. Um, and, and, uh, why, and what did I say his name was? Ramesses Wise. Yeah. He's ready for action. There we go. Yeah. There you go. And the bloke from Warner Brothers is just giving you two sackfuls of gold. And said, <laughs> Make that film. And he's got Off out the you go. Yeah. Um, okay. My title to you is yep. um, Too Hot for Cops. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Sven uh, Cobblemaker is a uh, un- he's a vigilante ex-cop who runs a uh, a chain of Swedish-style saunas in East LA, um, and basically he um, he he gets um, wind of the fact that the hot tubs are basically being used by hired out by East LA gangsters gangbangers if you like who are using these as kind of seedy parties to kind of um basically all sorts of debauchery and he's not happy about this because although he's an ex-cop um a lot of these fuckers he's put away in the past um his partner um sven he's also called sven the swedish uh (laughs) is killed by in one of these parties and he vows revenge um and he's basically uses lots of water-based slash heat style equipment to take these fuckers down um he's basically uh he's got blonde hair a huge blonde mustache constantly walks around in the towel um and just basically beats the shit out of these gangsters uh, and the end scene is where he uh, avenges his partner's death and we just see him crush a, 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 a hot coal in his hand and scream at the sky got it uh, tagline um he's hot he's not a cop and he'll his blood is boiling brackets <laughs> so are his hot tubs can i can i refine that not a cop, hop to trot. Yes. 
and the cover is him with kind of one leg against a, a hot tub uh, a sauna in the background and he's got like a, a shredded dressing gown and it's covered in blood and one hand he's got a, an Uzi and one hand he's got like one of those pokey things that um, stokes the fire in a, in a sauna sweatiest action film ever mate that's the tagline <laughs> We are not using the straight to video title generator. Um, we are instead delving backwards. You look in... like you're about to tell a story. You've I have got your story hat on. Yeah, I've got my smoking jacket on. I've uh, retrieved a uh, leather bound book from the shelf and I'm going to take you back into movie making lore mm. uh, to a project that was once touted and never uh never came to fruition um, sadly my dad told me about this it was like a, a spoken word urban myth passed down by generations my dad would we frequent a local video store and would often get um conned by the guy within it um not only did this man recommend uh the keep as a film that i could watch me and my brother could watch when at home on our own uh, as a nice kids movie, which traumatized us. Um, but uh, I remember my dad coming home with um, Loose Cannons, the Gene Hackman, Dan yeah. Aykroyd movie, and saying to us, we've got a real treat tonight because the guy at the video shop said this film is so special. It's been made especially for video. Like it's bypassed the cinemas straight to video it's that good um and i was like well that sounds great um, i've got this impression of your dad walking down the road swinging a k i don't know why he's got a k whistling <laughs> and the blokes yeah. open a hatch and goes he's coming here he is <laughs> where's yeah. all that shit in that we can't get rid of put it out on here <laughs> the point where i think as a as a because i've only seen that film that night and i think as a as a point of catharsis we need to track it down and review that yeah, film i think absolutely. that's something we need to do um but then my dad also told me about this film and I, because I, I kind of got the idea that, you know, my, my dad's movie knowledge wasn't always, always up to scratch, which is unfair because as it turns out, this is dead on the money. He once told me about a film um, that was scheduled to be made that featured Danny DeVito, um, Bob Hoskins yep. and Phil Collins. Amazing. Because they're three short bald men. And I was like, there's got to be another short bald man before you get to Phil Collins as an actor. Like, and I, even as a kid, I thought that sounds like horseshit. Yeah. And also the worst idea for a film. I know I've got a great pitch. Let's get three bald men. Not <laughs> yeah, beyond that. Three little fat bald men. Yeah. And then. So that just kind of sat in my head as another one of these things that, that my dad probably got told at the video store until post-recording uh, a few weeks back, um, Mr. Visage, Monsieur Visage, oui. did a little bit of digging on the internet. And what did you find? I did some research. I, I, I mean, I, you I looked did. on Wikipedia, didn't you? 
I just opened my window and shouted at someone walking past. It was basically like uh, Scrooge. Yeah. You boy. <laughs> yeah. Google this. <laughs> um, yeah. So I looked uh, on said interweb and this film was, this is true. So you're, you, you know, your dad is now years on has been vindicated. I know. I feel bad. Storytale. So yes, there was indeed a film that was meant to be in production starring Danny DeVito, Bob Hoskins, and uh, Phil Collins. I think it came from, it came from an interview, I think, with Bob Hoskins, whereby he, he had an idea, and I think he said it like something like, imagine if we were in this film, Phil Collins and Danny DeVito being here. Mm. Danny DeVito read the article or saw the interview, and he thought this was a good idea and he actually invested some money and pitched this idea and it went into production so this this idea was to make a version of the three bears <laughs> with Danny DeVito as director as well Bob Hoskins and Phil Collins and I believe I, I, I might need to look this up actually I think either Possibly Michelle Five for Julia Roberts as Goldilocks. So we are talking. This is not just like a, a funny talk. This was going to be a retelling of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yes, with, with... Danny DeVito, Bob Hoskins, and Phil Collins playing yeah. bears. <laughs> yes, I believe so. Now, yeah. Clearly, if you're hiring these people because they're Sean Bulge, you're not going to animate the bears because then you no. don't get to see them. And there's surely only only so much costuming that would disguise the fact that. If you're hiring these people because of the way they look, you don't cover that look up. So I don't know what this film would have been. But I also think that the three bears weren't three generic bears. No. The family there was a mummy bear. That, yeah. So one of them would have to be the mummy bear. <laughs> one of them would have to be a child bear. Um, I mean, I think, I, well, Hoskins is the dad. DeVito's the baby. Collins is definitely going to be the female. I hope that Hoskins would have been the baby. <laughs> Because like, it uh, completely played around with any form of, you yeah. Know. But anyway, this is a film that never existed, and no one will ever get to find out what it could have been until tonight, um, because we're going to pitch this motherfucker to you. But obviously, we're going to put a slight action spin on it. So I don't know if we can do a straight retelling of the Three Bears. So my challenge to you, Dick, is um, how do we make a traditional cop action movie? that also sticks to the main beats and concept of the three bears. So essentially, <clears throat> let's think of the three bears. So let's lay it out on the table. So the three mm. bears is a story where they go out for the day and some cheeky care breaks into the house. And she do, let's face it, she breaks into the house and just wrecks it. Mm. So she just eats all the food, spits it out, breaks all the furniture, and then has a kip. Yeah. So essentially, we've got break and entering in there. Yeah. So I think I like the idea that these bears have to go looking for some sort of cat burglar or some sort of thief slash, you know, sexy, yeah. sexy but destructive criminal. Okay. How about I've got an I've got oh go on. On. sorry, sorry. I no, saw a, I saw a pensive finger there as if you, I'd cut you off. So um, do continue. Um but I was just gonna I think I was just gonna say that I think maybe that they're looking for them and they've got a reputation or a reason for being the three bears. Yeah. I, I've not developed that bit yet. So maybe she's a 
Goldilocks is like a you know a pink panther super criminal. That's as far as I've got. Okay, so I'm I'm going to switch this a little bit, and again, you, you might run with this or not. So how about I like the idea that the in this police precinct, you know, it's tradition to have a cop and a partner, right? That's right. Only they've kind of decided. Well, hang on, we've got an odd number of police officers, right? So let's put them in threes, and the first trial of this are the three quote-unquote bears. That's the nickname. Mummy, Daddy, yeah. Baby, right? Yeah. Baby's the youngest. Yeah. Daddy's the toughest. Mummy is the one that looks after everyone. Yeah, right? yeah. And But collectively, these three cops have pissed off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They go off on an assignment, a high-level, high-profile assignment. While they're away, yeah. someone they pissed off on the past can't, breaks into the station... Well, not breaks in session, but basically invades their lives and does a series of things. Um, and this person's psychotic and they have to get things just right. That's mm-hmm. their OCD. Okay, I like that. Now, obviously, we could go Goldilocks and think of a woman. Mm. But I'm going to screen share with you what I think Goldilocks should look like. Oh, my God. So yes. All this right. is I've just shown uh, uh, Dick the poster to Project Shadow Chaser 2 Night Siege. Um, if anyone's not familiar with the Project Shadow Chaser se- uh, films, they're kind of movies that want to be everything at once. They're part Die Hard, part Aliens, part Terminator, part martial arts film, mm. part everything. Um, and Night Siege, which I think is Project Shadow Chaser 2, is literally the Terminator meets Die Hard. I was just watching the trailer, but... The most striking thing is Frank Zagarino has kind of got bleached blonde. has got a bleached blonde fat, flat top. Yeah. So I'm thinking uh, it doesn't have to be that actor particularly, um, but I'm thinking a uh, Scandinavian badass, possibly albino, possibly bleached. Yeah. Flat top, uh, just a killing machine who yeah. has to get everything just right. Okay. I like it. So rather than eating porridge or breaking furniture, he go. This person invades the police station and yeah. is upset with the fact that justice isn't correct. He wants to balance the scales, get everything just right. So he fucks yeah. the place up. Then he goes to I, their homes. I uh, think he could, we could even like have him as a sort of Joker psychopath, where the porridge. He could be poisoning people's food. He could yeah. be, um, you know, he could be burning like, you know, kind of, you know, like you say, burning their homes and invading their homes and kind of breaking, breaking the place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. His name is Brannigan Locks. Brannigan Goldie Locks. That's what he's, he's rap, on his rap sheet is Goldie Locks. Mm. Um, and he's a real psychopath. He's like the Scorpio killer in Dirty Harry. Yeah, He's perfect. insane. Um, and so it, uh, the three bears have to come back and kind of deal with things going on in their life. So I, I think it would be a striking opening um, to have the three bears on a case. Now, yeah. obviously, I think this is quite lighthearted initially. I like the idea it's got that mix of tones, kind of like Kindergarten Cop. You know that how Kindergarten Cop is like this really silly comedy mm. and at the end it's really quite violent mm. and you feel weird. Um that's what I want. I want it to, yeah. to skew from three funny people having very PG-13 uh, kind of slapstick fast talking yeah. and then cut to our Goldilocks uh, psychopath, um, you know, 
threatening to stab his daughter to death or whatever and just being really weird you're not really supposed to know like one doesn't compliment the other you're never really happy watching the three bears because you're thinking about the previous bit of nastiness but then the nastiness is never that nasty because it's always undercut by some ridiculous humor yes so it doesn't work, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'll, a I'll do a film that is dead on arrival. Can we meet them, the the, the three bears, and they're basically trying that they're organising like a fundraiser, like a outdoor summer barbecue event. Yeah, and they're just bickering, and it's all going wrong. And like you know, Bob Hoskins, he's, he's trying to put like a banners up, and he just keeps falling off ladders. Yeah. Um, well, for- let, let, so who, if if the names refer to their personalities so baby is kind of younger more impetuous mama bear is looking after them yeah um and always the one trying to to kind of mediate and daddy bear is the authoritarian who plays who i think daddy bear i think you're right it's got to be oskins on it yeah he's got to be the gruff tough bastard i think in this case um I think DeVito's probably Mama Bear. He's the one yeah. looking after everyone. Yeah, and Phil Collins is a tearaway. Yeah. So my my original image is Bob Hoskins then and Phil Collins arguing. They're sat down on a picnic table or on like an outdoor burger joint and DeVito turns up with just like trays of hot dogs and chili fries and milkshakes. Yeah. Um, and they're just eating. They've got big napkins in. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just eating and shouting at each other. Yeah. I like the fact that, for me, I think Phil Collins, despite the fact being older and balder, he should be like um, Tom Hanks in Dragnet, Pep Streetback. He should be yeah. re- like played as if he's super cool and streetwise. Even yeah, yeah. Not. So I think, although their nicknames are there, can we come up with some names for them? Because I think that'll always be fun. Yeah, I think so. Uh, what? I I think uh, can Bob Hoskins be Tommy Gravel? Tommy Gravel, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think so. Let's think of the most streetwise name uh, for Phil Collins. <laughs> I'm going to make up a word for his first name. Brilliant. Swazel. <laughs> yeah. Swazel um slipstream. Swazel slipstream. Absolutely. Swazel slipstream. Tommy Gravel and uh Rog Pumpernickel is Danny DeVito. I think you Barry Ponce. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I like I do like Barry Ponce. Um I think Rog Pumpernickel is the captain. <laughs> captain Pumpernickel, who is played yeah. by I, you know, Christopher Lloyd just sprang to mind. Yeah, that's a good one. He that's could play about, captain. I was he? trying to think of another fat ball bloke, but I couldn't think of quite an immediate one. No, or not one that that would be of that right era. Yeah. Okay. So they're out. They're eating. They're scoffing food and shouting at each other, mm. and then they notice a petty crime. And the joke is that we we cut to a kind of reverse shot. So I like the idea maybe they're sat on a corner outside a burger joint, one of those American burger joints. Yeah, in LA. yeah. And they're eating. There's like a giant plastic hot dog spinning as the sign. Yeah, yeah. And we cut to the other reverse, and over the road there is a deli or a um, what are they what are they call their corner shops there. Oh, I can't remember. Um, Convenience store. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's being robbed, and they're arguing, and they can't 
and the radio's going in their car, which is mm. over there, and their car's a tip. It's covered yeah. in peanuts and coffee cups. But it's massive as well. It's like yeah, it's like Ecto One. It's just a yeah. huge kind of old school American car. Yeah, Studebaker. Is that the yeah. one that Fuzzy Bear drives in the Muppet movie? Yes. And seafood. There's lots of seafood in there. There's like a whole salmon draped over there. They've been fishing. No, they've been fishing. So yes. the, the, the boot's got full of like buckets of fish that are flipping around. Yeah. There. And we've got like fishing rods and yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. Over the road, there's the, the, the robbers run out. I'll and then they... the cap- I'll start the captain. John Pesci. Joe Pesci. He's a oh, little bald yeah. fella. Yeah. Yeah. Rog Pumpernickel. Yeah. <laughs> Can he be wearing a bald cap? Oh, yeah, older. With hair on the side. (laughs) Uh, Just to fit in. Um, Yeah, and lifts. So he's significantly taller than the rest of them. Yep. Um, And there's gunfire, and they like, and they all like do a spit take, but with food. Yeah. Like, and and each person spits for longer. So by the time it gets to Hoskins, there's like mayonnaise and stuff coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. An entire, an entire, he spits an entire hot dog, <laughs> which we do. But basically, we just edited it and we just rewound the footage. So he's yeah, just like... basically, we got him to to put a hot dog in, like Scooby Doo, a hot dog, yeah. like whoop, and yeah. then we just reversed it so it comes yeah. out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they're they're running, and like um, the napkin goes over Hoskins' face, and he crashes into a bin. Um, and uh, Phil Collins just pulls out a gun and starts firing. I've yeah. got the, the the image that also uh, Phil Collins is a little bit like Billy Crystal in Running Scared, and that he's wearing like a football jersey. He's always out yeah, of yeah, uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoskins is all, Hoskins looks like he does in Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Um, Devito is kind of midway there. Oh, just fucking wearing a dress. <laughs> I think <laughs> he's Phil... like a suit from Twins. You know that kind of beige. Yes. But, and... Yeah, or yeah. no, he he's a bit um Miami Vice. He's got yeah. like a, a cream suit and kind yeah. of espadrilles on. But yeah. um, Phil Collins has always got like a ridiculous like there'll be one scene where he's got a cap on sideways and shorts and a skateboard or something where he's just like been dressed like an attempt attempt to be useful. He just starts firing at people, and this is the first all this slapstick stuff, and he actually shoots someone, and it's a really messy squib like it's yeah. violent blood runs down he smashes through a window in slow motion and they get in their car which is an open top cadillac and then they fish hoskins out of a bin and they get in their car and they drive off now devito's in the back in in because it's a hatchback he hasn't got a seat and so he's sliding around and the fish fall out so he's sliding around as gary corners he's all there's fish in there as well yeah, he's got a he's got a lobster kind of pinching his nose yeah. and everything, um, and Phil Collins kind of climbs out of the side, but rather than just leaning out and shooting, he actually climbs onto the roof and sits yeah. on the roof and is firing his gun. Um, and uh, again, it's all kind of like they're shouting at each other, and it goes a bit funny, and then he shoots the driver, and blood splats up against the front of the windscreen. The car crashes into something and bursts into flames. And they all get off and they just sit and they just spend just a, f- a few seconds too long watching the car burn. Yeah. So you, it establishes, oh, no, they're just watching those guys cook. Um, and then we have the funky 80s music come in. Yeah, yeah, uh, Which is a little bit like the Seinfeld, you know, when the music they play when they go into the thing. It's kind of like yeah. that, but with some orchestra hits, uh, a little bit of R&B and some scratching mm. um, in there. Like really shit, yeah. And really then uh, they're back into the precinct, 
And so what's going on in their home lives that's going to get wrecked? What is Bob Hoskins' home life like? So I think Bob Hoskins... Sorry, Tommy Gravel. Tommy Gravel. I think Tommy Gravel's got a trophy wife at home. So I think he's... He's we, we kind of surprised when we meet his we see his house. He's a bit like kind of Murtard. that he's got this lovely big house, trophy wife, but he doesn't ever want any of his partners to meet. So he's got quite a you know attractive woman, um, and he's kind of trying to balance a nice home life. So he's fairly, you know, he's kind of a, a head of a, a fairly decent family. So basically, his family life gets fucked up. I think. Yeah, part of me was thinking, wouldn't it be funny if? Phil Collins is always ribbing him about his wife. He's punching sort of above his weight and his wife must be having sex with someone else. Yes. So All Phil Collins is always like, she's fucking some other guy. She's fucking some other guy. Yeah. yeah. And then at the end, you find out Phil Collins is having sex with her. Yeah, absolutely. And Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> I think DeVito... They could all turn to camera and go, this is just right. <laughs> 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 um, no. I think DeVito so I think one of them should I think one of them should live a bit like Riggs like on a on a kind of caravan on the beach that's got to be Phil Collins it's that's got to be, be Collins Swayzel Swayzel <laughs> yep. Swayzel Slipstream um, I think DeVito then I think he I don't I think he should have like a, I think he should be a bit into his gadgets so I think you, he you know should, what I, I think he should be like he should have like an older wife and they should like live in a it's almost like up they've got a cute kind of yeah. poor so maybe hoskins is a bit more well-dressed and devito's a little bit more yeah uh, devito's got glass, and i think they live above a shop and there's like a train that goes by and the whole house shakes yeah, yeah. and it's his studebaker his old car yeah, yeah. um and i so swazel's slipstream you know like it's like to make him really cool. He's got to live in something quirky. Yeah, I reckon he lives in a um, modified uh, ghost train. I think he's <laughs> he lives in a, an old ghost train that he's decked out. And to get into his house, you have to get in a little car and it drives up to the kitchen and he gets booze yeah. out. And then it goes around and there's like a porno theater in there or something. I think yeah. that's where he lives. And then we go past a drum kit and he looks at the camera and goes. Yeah, I th- and I think he's always got women coming and going. Yeah, yeah. Our villain, Brannigan Locks, yeah. he wants order. So he's Scandinavian, right? I've got an idea for the villain, by the way. Who, who's going to be the villain? Very left field, though. Go, go for it. Uh, I think we're, so, we're already on the left of field. I was thinking initially someone who is European, so someone either like Rocker Howe, but we've had him before, mm. Or um, Klaus Kinski, we've had him before. Yeah. So I'm going to go with someone else who's not European. We're going to basically give him gold hair and essentially play up the kind of, you know, silent monster thing. Yeah. I sent you a meme. Check this out, kids. I sent you a meme off Phil Collins earlier in the week. And yes. you stood with someone. So a little bit of background to this. So in the 80s, very mid eighties. Uh, Phil yep. Collins was part of a movement where, essentially, he was kind of. They called it the rock and wrestling connection. So it's yes. the idea that wrestling became this very professional wrestling became this very MTV glossy entertainment that, that kind of tied in with all the kind of uh, you know rock stars of the time. And Phil Collins did a music video where he was dressed in a leotard with looks ridiculous. 
but where he mock fights the Ultimate Warrior. So I think the classic 80s, early 90s, where the music video is kind of linked in to a yes. bigger media project. So fuck it, I think the Ultimate Warrior, 80s, early yeah. 90s, Ultimate Warrior, just huge gold hair, kept it long, buffed it up, very buttery. Yeah. Fuck it, we painted him gold. He's gold, he's painting gold. Yeah. You just take all that hair and you just grease it. It goes directly upwards. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks like Gozer from fucking yes. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, but God. So he rocks up. And yeah. as a Scandinavian, mm. he's very ordered. You know, he's he lives the Ikea life. Everything's got its place. Yes. And what he hates about these cops is that their life is chaotic and messy. Everything's all over the place. Yes. And what he wants is everything to be just right. Now, they obviously busted up a, a what they thought was a low-rent drug ring, but actually it was a pipeline to his international drug ring. And so he's come straight to America to take revenge on them. And so the big opening scene, after our credits, after we established the home life, yeah. uh, Joe Pesci's um, captain, Captain Pumpernickel, um, has a go at them, saying, like, you're a disgrace. You know, we put you together as our first trio, and you're out eating and killing people, um, I'm going to put you on this big uh, um, case and you've got to solve it because it's very high profile. If not, I'm splitting the three of you up um, and you're going back to your old old jobs. So they head off and as soon as they're gone, um, Goldilocks, Goldilocks turns up and Terminator style just destroys the police station. Yes, it does. And he's got Joe in the end. He's got Joe Pesci's uh, pumpernickel on the desk, um, and it's a really violent, as I've said, really uncomfortably violent thing. Um, and he's got him, and he goes, "You know, life is about balance. This is all. This police work is all about disorder and and chaos." He makes Joe Pesci hold his hands out, mm. and he puts a grenade in each one, pulls him in, and goes, "Life is about balance," and he leaves Joe Pesci like that. Um, and then uh, the explosions go off. Um, and then the three bears come back and look at this smouldering building and, like, what the hell happened here? Can we see G.I. Pesci coming out of the explosion, like, gurney, going, oh, as he's kind of rising up to the... You yeah, know, you know in Die Hard 2 when he ejects the seats up? Yeah. It's like that. Um, yeah. And he's got no hands. Yeah. So he's like, there's blood coming out, and, he, and it's really badly done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then... Um, so I think their families should be threatened near the end. That should be the final thing that takes them over the edge. What other things in their life could be affected? I think he's got a mess with the, this big case. So what's the big case they're working on? I think I'm tempted to say like a new drug that they call porridge. <laughs> so basically yes. they sell it in little packets. So it yes. comes in little packets. Yeah. Uh, and the guy selling it, uh, the guy selling it is this kind of you know dodgy dealer, but he's got a henchman who is basically this muscle bloke who's got a vest and a kilt, and he basically looks like the bloke from the. No, he looks like the Quaker man. The, the villain looks like the Quaker bloke, and he's got like big a wig and like a blue suit and a hat, and his villain's got a, he's a bloke in a vest and a kilt. So we've like... um, I think we've used him before, but this henchman is going to be played by Brian James. Because yeah. he loves doing an accent. Yeah. And so Scottish is perfect. Yeah. Um, 
and I like so there's different grades of this porridge. Yeah. There's the stuff that is um so some of it's actually legal and medicinal, and that's actually but some of it is the it's it, the percentage of the whatever the addictive stuff is so much it's really contraband or hot. Yeah. And and you can't sell it. Mm. Right. The one in the middle is the one that's just right. Yeah. It's it's addictive enough to be sold as a narcotic, but it's not too hot as to bring the police. That's right. Um, and it turns out that that is the drug that um, Goldie Locks, Brannigan Locks, is trying to sell. So by working the case, they're actually doing that. So he's also going to mess with their case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think really. What do we want to see? What, what what kind of capers, rather than going through it plot point by plot point, what capers do we want to see these three get up to? You can, um, there's one scene where Phil Collins is having, you know, intercourse with the lady and he just breaks loads of beds. So it's that kind of scene from yeah. Goldilocks. It's like, let's try this bed. And he just breaks the bed. Yep. I, I know it's hot dogs again. But I've got the wonderful image. I think they're giving chase to someone, and and Phil Collins on a, on roller skates, yeah, because he's young. Um, but you know the other two, you know, like the um, hot dog vendors that are on a bike. So you got yes. a bike and you got a hot dog. So Devito's riding the bike. There's an umbrella on it, yeah, and Hoskins is in the bit with the hot dogs, firing a shotgun out of it, yeah. Um, but Devito keeps eating hot dogs out of it. He's like, "Will you stop doing that? I'm trying to." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. And then That's he ends brilliant. up crashing, and Bob Hoskins gets mustard and stuff all down him. Brilliant. And then, and David at the end of the video just like runs his finger over a must mustard on his face and just eats it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. I like that. Um, I think there should be a scene where they're running a stakeout on someone. Yeah, on a on a, a female witness. Mm. And obviously, Phil Collins is the is the lone wolf of the pack. Um, which doesn't make sense. Um, and uh, so DeVito <laughs> and Hoskins are trapped all night in their fishy winner uh, Studebaker. Yeah. And DeVito's farting and Hoskins is getting <laughs> increasingly frustrated and redder and redder at the end. And they're listening. They go, oh, wait, wait, but there's movement. And they can start hearing sex noises. And when they look through the binoculars, start taking photos, Phil Collins is in there banging the woman. Yeah. Um, and uh, But that's when... Goldilocks strikes. Yes. Because he's got to kill this witness or whatever. Mm. Um, and there'll be a, 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 a kind of thing there. So, yeah, what else? What, what else is there going to be? I like that. I like the stakeout scene. What else do we kind of get in 80s, you know, early 90s buddy cop films or comedies? So I Phil Connors has got to take him to a strip club to have a. Oh, God. I think there should be a scene where. Um, I think Bob Hoskins tries to be highbrow, but he's not. He wants he wants to be kind of one of these kind of social climbers. He's got this attractive wife. And they're bickering. They have a night off and they're bickering about where to go. And Hoskins wants to do some culture. DeVito just wants to go out because he wants a night out. And then yeah. Phil Collins, and they're arguing. And it cuts to a scene where they sit down and they look like they've all made a bit of an effort. And they've all three of them have got opera glasses and they put opera glasses on. And then it cuts to the shot of inside the upper glasses and it's just a horrendous strip club. It's just a woman kind of gyrating on a pole. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, that's good. I love the idea that Hoskins, he wants to be captain. Yeah. And chief of police. So he's got all these aspirations like Captain Mannering, 
And yeah. so that's why he's always angry because they're always embarrassing him. And every time there's an end to one of their escapades, uh, a journalist pops out from the corner and takes a picture. And so all the pictures in the paper are covered in condiments or, uh, you know, a salmon over his shoulder and a gun in the other hand or whatever. Um, and so he goes out on the night and his wife is lovely and attractive, but she's also very career minded. Yeah. Um, and he goes out on this night and he's like, no, no, we should go here. And they end up getting dragged to the strip club. And that's the point where his wife comes in and, and finds her because she's running like an anti-pornography campaign. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So she runs a, like a, a, a kind of a, a protest against it. And he's in there. And then like a journalist comes up from, from behind a stripper and goes, click. Um, and that's in there. And so they all fall out. Yeah. And his wife. Um, and that's where like... Um, Phil Collins is like, no, no, you've got, to, you've got to stop this. You know, policing is not about sitting behind us, it's about being out in the street and taking all the extremes. And that's when they get the phone call that the families have been taken hostage. So where, where's the, where's the showdown going to be? Can I just quick put a pin in something? Can this, yes. the little reporter, can that be William Atherton? Yep. hundred percent. And he's got a hat with the press card in it as well. <laughs> and he, he doesn't get any dialogue. He just no. pops up and goes, click. Yes. <laughs> brilliant um and his name's dick click <laughs> yes brilliant uh, no rick rick click the photography dick <laughs> he's always credited brilliant um i think right so la so what can we think about in terms of la now could it take place you know what i want uh, this, could, this could be a scene in the film earlier but I've, you know, uh, again, maybe I'm just thinking of the Running Scared film, but there's a scene in there where they have a car chase over train tracks and the car's yeah. tyres go, so they're on the train tracks. I want to see a car chase up and down a roller coaster. Yep. Now, I don't know whether that's a scene in itself or whether we could set it at a, a, a fairground. Disneyland. Disneyland. That's in LA, isn't it? Yeah, so, and that's perfect because then we mix the kind of cute child-friendly stuff with the horrible, nasty, yeah, I say extreme yeah. violence, just unpleasantness, that kind of red heat nastiness. You know, it's all seedy and violent. Mm. Um, so, think, yeah. Okay. I think the villain's gone to Disneyland. He's like, there's two people having too much fun. Yeah. Like, I don't want everyone miserable, but there's not needs to be a balance. Mm. So he, that is a scene of Ultimate Warrior, like just smacking Donald, like breaking the bloke, uh, a Donald Duck, kind of mascot and he just snaps his neck <laughs> yeah uh goldlocks is a nihilist he doesn't believe anything because yeah. nothing is balanced yeah so he's like there's too, this is too much fun people you know we need to just level this so his final thing is he's got um whatever uh roller coaster he's got the the uh the wives and the family up there although you know slipstream doesn't have a wife um maybe he's got a sister I don't know. Yeah. But, um, and so, yeah, there is a sort of chase and a fight. And basically, Goldlocks has, has hired a bunch of assassins who are all dressed up as mascots and various Disney characters. So you've got Hoskins, like, literally punching the shit out of Goofy. Amazing. Yeah. yeah brilliant. And Goofy's swearing, like, fuck off, cunt. <laughs> shit on you. <laughs> and Hoskins is, like, punching in the nuts. Yeah. Um, I think DeVito, you know, have you, uh, that fire truck that goes around, you can get on that goes around Disney World. Yeah. The Vito's driving that and he's knocking over popcorn stalls and running over like Tinkerbell and shit. Yeah, brilliant. And Slipstream um, 
he's somehow managed to get a bumper car and he's driving that around, firing an Uzi yeah. out of it. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and like he shoots someone in the face and they fire through the window onto that crystal Disney tower kind of thing. Yeah. And brilliant. so somehow they get a car, the Studebaker, onto a roller coaster. The tires break and they're chasing. Like We're going to skip the logic there because like, we haven't got time to work out how this happens. But they're chasing Goldlocks, who's in his own car, over a roller coaster. Yeah, brilliant. And it's a bit where they get the bumpers get connected and they can get on top of the cars and they're fighting. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think Goldlocks gets thrown in front. So he's laying on the tracks mm. and the wheels go over his neck and legs. So he cuts him in three. Yeah. And as they come out, they've each got, so it's Phil Collins and his sister, each number wise, but they've each got a part of Goldilocks. Brilliant. So Hoskins has got his torso, DeVito's got his head and Phil yeah. Collins has got two legs in his hand. That's where they say this feels just right. Not when they're all three of them banging Bob Hoskins' wife. I think that's probably more, yeah. more appropriate. Um, you can have a mid-credit scene where that, that happens. Like, yeah. No, no, this is just right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're doing a stakeout on Bob Hoskins' own home, and they hear sex noises. And they're like, "What?" And we have a scene kill him. where it kind of fades black, and then um, the new captain walks in, and he goes, "The experiment worked. You know, three of you together works." Um, and then. Um, and he, he turns back to the office and like, right, you three are on it now. And it's, uh, what's his face from NYPD Blue? Little Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz. <laughs> yeah. His brother, the bloke, Joey Tribbiani's dad, he was yeah. his brother in Die Hard 2. And who's um, another little fat bald bloke? Oh, Joe, uh, he's not fat, but Joe Pantelliano. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, so they come out and stare at the other three. Yeah. And then they all kind of gurn at each other, and then it cuts. So that's the sequel. We've just we just replaced it with three lower yeah. budget actors. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Um, I think it's great. Now, obviously, what we've got to talk about then is that Phil Collins is obviously going to sing the theme tune, the tune that plays over the credits. Yeah, and so the video is going to feature the Ultimate Warrior and Bob Hoskins and Danny DeVito. Yeah. Um, so I, I imagine it a little bit like the Paul Simon. Um, video with chevy chase where they're yeah. all playing hilarious instruments yeah brilliant um, and getting on untied and every now and again every every instrument <laughs> bob hoskins picks up he blows on it and a sausage comes out the end <laughs> and he can't find an instrument that doesn't have some kind of sausage related <laughs> incident amazing um can it be like as well like an interlude with i don't know why but you know the the british 70s sitcom terry and june yes where they're walking around l.a and they keep missing each other. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Like, you know, uh, Phil Collins is waiting for Bob Hoskins to, you know, come out of yeah, these high-class news agents and he comes bothered. Then he walks into a strip club and Danny DeVito's like, where's he gone? And it's just that constant that missing each other. I, I think as well, I like this, that there's a female vocalist, so someone like Sheena Easton or someone. Yeah. And basically... It, her and Phil Collins are always staged in these traditional romantic things like 50s car looking over overlooking the yeah. city or whatever and they're kissing but Ultimate Warrior is always like an angered husband yeah. so they're like pretend smooching and then he pops up between them like yeah. and he's always and in the end you've got this the kind of band playing you've got DeVito playing guitar or whatever you've got Hoskins like 
trashing instruments because there's just sausages everywhere. And the ultimate warrior chasing Phil Collins round and round and round in their underwear. Yeah. Um it's yeah, it's great. And that that's that I, I in my in my head canon, that's the video that launched MTV. Yeah. What's the, what's the song called? Oh, um three heads are better than one. Yeah. Brackets, honey, honey, honey. <laughs> or, or yeah. porridge, 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 or something yeah. like that. Oh no, oh just hot porridge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's wonderful that could, you know, for all we know, that could have exactly been what they were thinking. They might not have even got that far. Maybe if we'd have been around that time and we walked in and pitched that, they'd have gone, that's, that's the one that makes it worth doing. Yeah. Brilliant. It was R rated. It pleased neither audience. Yeah. Um, and it was so good. It went straight to video. <laughs> justice, justice, justice. Well, um, all that leaves us to do is to open up the heavy pages of uh, Justice 101 and add what lessons we've learned from Double Impact. Dick, what do you what what have you taken away from from Double Impact that will either inform your seeking of justice or your life? Well, both. So if I was, you know, seeking a particular brand of justice or I wanted to enrich my life, clearly, clearly somewhere out there I've got twin brother. I think so that's all I need to do is go the opposite place of where I live now, mm. find him. I'll probably now, just bump into him. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to uh, do you an injustice, but clearly you're the Chad of the team <laughs> because <laughs> yes. you're sat wearing a Lycra uh, exercise outfit. Um, doing the splits at the same time. I mean, this is what my <laughs> genitals look like, uh, squashed apricots. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, um, you know, we. my life lesson is if you're a justice seeker, there's two things you should do in preparation if you want to get yourself keyed up. Firstly, and, I, you know, this is fairly kind of um, old hat, but, you know, a, a tooling up montage is necessary, right? Yes. But where do you get that fuel? Where do you get that energy from? So my recommendation is if you really need to go that extra mile, imagine an elaborate and graphic sex scene between the person you want to be angry at and a, one of your beloved people in your life. Right. Um, really picture it. Get a bottle of alcohol, walk, stomp around a room, and just imagine it like it's um, the Red Shoe Diaries um, and there's bottoms and boobies and lurid lighting and slow motion. Yep. Really get it in there because then you'll be just charged up. You'll be like the Energizer Buzzy, ready to just go out the door and just start fucking, fucking people up. Well, it's been a bumper edition. Um, we've covered a, a lot of ground. But the takeaway, the real takeaway here is that Dumble Impact is fucking brilliant. If I were you... I would go out and see it right away. But I'm not you. Thank Christ. 